Good evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to uh, tonight's meeting of the Scrutiny Committee, which is being uh, broadcast. Uh, so please put your microphones on when you speak. I will do my best to introduce uh, speakers so they know, you know who's next on air. I'm going to, before I start, we have um, a couple of public speakers, or oh, three public speakers. It seems sensible to actually take them at the, with the items on the agenda, and I'm going to propose that we move the relevant agenda items, which is number 16, about the enforcement investigation or study, forward to follow after minutes of the last meeting and matters arising, and similarly, item 17, which is about um, appeals and the processes behind that. I'll, I'll bring, take that after 16, uh, after 16 and before 4, if that makes sense. So, in other words, before we get on to the heavy stuff on budget matters. Everybody happy with that? It's not going to, there's nobody missing uh, for those items. There's nobody not here. In fact, I think everybody is here who is coming. In that case, first of all, can we take any apologies for absence and any declarations of interest, please? We have Councillor Goddard. Councillor Goddard. And um, I'll say at this point, because I haven't announced myself, that I'm uh, Alan Dean, the um, chairman of the committee. No declarations of interest. Right, one apology. Thank you very much. Can we then take the minutes of the last meeting which were held on the 17th of November? Is everybody content that they are a true record of that meeting? Is that agreed? Yes, thank you. So they're agreed. I'll sign those afterwards. Is anybody on the committee have any matters arising. I'll take them page by page rather than item by item. Page 5, page 6, page 7, 8, 9, 10, and finally page 11. Right, so no matters arising, and we'll move on then to item 16. Item 16 on the agenda, which I will read out, is, is um, it's a, it's a verbal update on the enforcement review. We're carrying out a review into the enforcement service. Um, a, a task group was established at our last meeting. I, I know it's got underway, so this is just a brief uh, update on that, which we'll have shortly. I think Councillor Sell is going to give that, unless somebody else has arranged to do it. Is it? And, um, but, but before that, we have uh, Mr. Barry Drinkwater and Mr. Richard Ellis, who would uh, like to speak to us. Um, I'll just make it clear at this point that we're not going to be, you, I think you're raising matters to do with the, the scope of the review and I probably 
Councillor Sell will be able to answer that. We're not here tonight discussing any of the detail or will be responding to anything you say other than perhaps what is it that we're doing in, bro in the broadest terms. So I, I, I hope that makes sense. Um, we, we normally have speakers for three minutes, but I'll, I'll leave it to you. I, I'm not too draconian about that. I won't be tonight anyway. So over to you, Mr. Drinkwater. Thank you, thank you Chairman. Uh, Could you press the button? <laughs> uh, Chairman and Members, good evening. I'm Barry Drinkwater, speaking to you as Joint Vice Chair of the Ottlesford Licensed Operators and Drivers Association. And, and I'm Richard Ellis, the, uh, the other Joint Chair. Um, and we're speaking to you on behalf of the Taxi and Private Hire Trades um, having made public statements or asked questions at almost every meeting of the Licensing, Environment and Health Committee over the last 12 years. It's been a privilege to engage with a succession of um, LEHC chairs such as Councillor Lochlin, uh, Councillor Hicks, Councillor Perry and now Councillor Chambers uh, and we have good grounds for believing they found all of us, both the Lodders officials and several of our larger operators, professional, informed and collaborative in all our dealings with them. Um, working in partnership with officers as well, our dealings have ranged from agreeing licensing fees and outsourcing taxi testing through joint projects such as Quality Taxi Partnership and CCTV in the vehicles um, to being principal consultees on two licensing task groups. Indeed, in 2012-13, we were invited by the Chairman to make additional oral representations to the final uh, LTG meeting before the LHC resolved to adopt the new licensing policy on the 27th of March 2013. At this meeting on the 27th of March 2013, as the minutes will confirm, members were persuaded by our strong arguments to amend the draft licensing policy and agree to reduce the threat of a prosecution by enabling the sanction of a formal caution to be applied by the Assistant Chief Executive Legal, Michael Perry, exercising his delegated powers if a driver was facing a minor offence such as speeding. Fast forward two and a half years and Councillor Howell made his presentation to the Cabinet on enforcement activity across the Council on the 22nd of October 2015. When you la la last met as the Scrutiny Committee on the 17th of November 2015, you resolved to appoint an enforcement task group as your primary area of focus for 2015-2016. Meeting documents include the transparent details of three topics for the Scrutiny Work Programme, with one entitled Quote, scrutiny of taxi licensing enforcement to establish whether the Council deals with the suspension, revocation and non-renewal of driver's licences in an effective but fair manner. Unquote. Reading the resolution at the meeting, we note that the ETG's terms of reference appear to have been appear to have subsumed this specific topic in its generic wording, and we must earnestly hope that the subject is accorded due and proper priority by Councillor Asker, Councillor Jones as Portfolio Lead for Enforcement, and Councillor Sell as their work continues until the 30th of June 2016. 
We will, of course, listen with a great deal of interest to this evening's report, um, item 16, as uh, the Chairman has already um, intimated, and to further interim reports on the 15th of March and the 3rd of May prior to the final report early in the next fiscal year. A final postscript from us this evening. The licensing enforcement page on the Ottlesford District Council website says that the authority is working towards the principles set out in the government's regulators' compliance code introduced in April 2014. It was actually relaunched in 2014 as the regulators' code. In his foreword, the Minister of State, Michael Fallon, says government is committed to reducing regulatory burdens and supporting compliant business growth through the development of an open and constructive relationship with regulators and those they regulate. For our part, we are committed to an open and constructive relationship with the Licensing and Environmental Health Committee, which regulates the taxi and private hire trades. We have always been concerned to ensure that action taken by the Council against offenders is proportionate, and we must hope that the Enforcement Task Group will want to take our views into account in its review of, quote, from your generic uh, terms of reference, how enforcement decisions are reached as to when it is appropriate to take action. Unquote. Thank you, Chairman and Members. Well, thank, thank you, gentlemen, for that. I'll ask uh, Councillor Sell shortly to give the update as intended on the agenda, and maybe he could address the point in terms of the, um, the scope of, of the work. Uh, speaking personally, it was always my understanding that the uh, question, the, 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 the areas that you raised questions over were part of it, but I think we need to have that confirmed. And, and another matter that occurs to me in terms of taking your um, points of view into account that I, I'm going to ask Councillor Sell if it's the intention of the task group to have some form of hearing where uh, various people from the community may want to come along and, and give evidence. I'm, I don't know personally how the task group is working and, and it may be that it's uh, still developing its processes and that's, that's often the case. Um, Councillor Sell, would you like to come on now? Thank you, Chairman. The task group had its first and only meeting so far on the 20th of January. So it's very early days with this task group. I confirm that your understanding of the remit of the task group is correct, that we are looking at enforcement across the board, not just at planning. Uh, I'm just one member of the group, so I wouldn't want to speak for the whole group. But Councillor Asker is here as well. But certainly it's our intention to produce a worthwhile piece of work which will help the Council and to that end uh, at our next meeting we will be having a meeting with the enforcement team leader to get a greater understanding of the work of enforcement. Okay. 
So will you, you, you take on board the suggestion that you might want to invite witnesses? Oh, yes, yes. You, you, yes I'll raise that. it with the other members. Yeah, thank you. There's probably nothing more to say on this item then at the moment. We've had that report. We've had our guests come to speak to us. Um, we'll wish you all well in, in getting on with your work that I'm pleased to say started last month and uh, no doubt we'll make progress this month. I think everybody's content, so we'll move on to the uh, next item. Thank you very much. Item 17 uh, is contained on pages 173 to 176 of your documents, of the documents for tonight's meeting. Um, and, and essentially this, the, the purpose of this item is for the committee to decide whether to set up a task group to investigate um, planning appeals and in particular planning appeals and the circumstances on, under which they may not uh, be defended by the Council has, as has happened on a couple of occasions in the last year or so. Uh, we have, um, this, this was asked for by Councillor Light. Councillor Asker wishes to say something. Thank you. Um, apologies Chair, I ought to perhaps um read every page, um, declare an interest as a member of Saffron Warden Town Council, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> that, that's been noted, thank you. Thank you. Um, but I might say this is not just particularly about Saffron Walden Town Council. Um, we have um, a speaker on, just a minute, my Vice Chair wishes to have a word. Uh, regarding declarations of interest, I'd like to point out that I was a member of the Council during the summer of 2014. Thank you very much. Uh, if that is a declarable interest, I too would have to declare uh, my situation. I really don't think this is necessary because we're not discussing history as such. We're looking at principles going forward. Um, but uh, you, you're, you're entitled to <laughs> declare an interest if you wish. Um, before, we, before we consider the, the actual paper, uh, we have a, a speaker on behalf of uh, Saffron Walden Town Council. That's uh, Mr. Alan Storer, who's uh, sitting at the back, and uh, invite you to come forward and uh, take a seat next to a microphone. And I think it probably makes sense to hear from you before we discuss the item on the agenda. So over to you, Mr. Storer. Thank you, Chairman, and good evening, Members. I've been asked to read this statement on behalf of Saffron Walden Town Council. It relates to the agenda item this evening to review the Council's process when deciding whether to defend planning appeals. I should say that, as a qualified and experienced town planner, I endorse the content. This committee is asked to consider the following as part of their scrutiny. These suggestions reflect Saffron Walden Town Council's experience of this Council's handling of planning appeals, particularly the Keir Appeal, and it is hoped they will be helpful. First, the extent to which decisions are actually based on planning law. 
Council has a legal obligation to decide planning applications in accordance with the development plan unless material considerations indicate otherwise. This obligation extends to all aspects of applications and therefore includes the handling of appeals. The development plan essentially comprises the 2005 adopted local plan and the principal material consideration is the national planning policy framework. There may also be other material considerations, such as, for example, an emerging local plan, although this very much depends upon the stage that it has reached. Other council strategies are not material considerations and should form no part of the planning process. To allow them to influence planning decisions would be wrongful. It appears that in the past other considerations, outside what might reasonably be considered to constitute material considerations, have influenced council decisions as to whether or not to defend appeals. This is apparent from various comments made on this issue at the meeting of full council on the 17th of December of last year. Secondly, the extent to which the council reconsiders decisions when circumstances have changed materially. The obligation is an ongoing obligation so that the Council's approach to defending a particular planning appeal may vary as circumstances change. A particular example of how circumstances might change is given by the Keir appeal. At the time that the application was considered, in April of 2014, the planning officers reported that there was not a five-year housing land supply and that this should strongly influence the decision. However, on the 26th of June of that year, a report to the Local Plan Working Group specified that, at that time, the Council did indeed have a five-year housing land supply. Indeed, the land supply was estimated at 6.2 years. This made the Council's position in defending planning appeals very much stronger. In the following months, this Council was successful in defending other appeals by convincing inspectors that it did, in fact, have a five-year land supply. Each of these decisions was potentially a material change in circumstances. In December 2014, there was another change in circumstance as the draft local plan was rejected by the planning inspector. It therefore ceased to have any status as a material consideration. Each time that there is a material change in circumstances, such as the existence of a report confirming that this council has a five-year land supply, or the publication of an inspector's decision confirming or not such position, the council should reconsider its position on defending appeals. The committee is asked to investigate whether or not this has been the case. In Kia, there is no indication that any changes in circumstances were considered or that the initial decision was ever revisited as circumstances changed. Thirdly, the committee is urged to look at the process for obtaining legal advice in relation to appeals and the extent, if at all, to which legal advice requested is affected by political considerations. In relation to the opinions obtained in relation to Kia, for example, it appears that the barristers may have been requested to advise on the basis that a five-year land supply could not be demonstrated, when in fact, at the relevant time, the Council had published reports demonstrating that it could. 
This fact would materially affect the advice obtained. Fourthly, the committee is urged to look at the process for approving statements made in connection with appeals. As you may be aware, this council filed a statement with the Keir Inspector stating that there were no planning grounds on which this appeal could be defended. This statement was quite clearly wrong and this committee is therefore urged to look at how it came about and the process for approving such statements and more broadly for conducting appeals. Fifthly, the committee is asked to look at the grounds on which applications are rejected and whether these hamper the council in its subsequent conduct of appeals and indeed whether the grounds given in refusal notice actually reflect the grounds given by the planning committee. In Key, for example, they did not. Finally, the committee is urged to investigate the extent to which political considerations rather than planning considerations affect planning decisions and what, if any, safeguards are in place to prevent this from happening. Thank you for your attention, members. Well, thank you, Mr. Storer. Clearly, there's um, what I'd probably describe as uh, a piece of evidence that uh, can be examined at the appropriate time by a task group if it's set out. We're not, obviously, we're not going to discuss any of this now or try to uh, respond to anything because that's not uh, the right way to go about it. We want to be deliberative in, uh, in, in what we do. Councillor Light, do you want to, before we uh, consider the paper, and, the, and there's not a, a lot to this paper anyway, and, and I, I do have, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're going to ask that the uh, committee does uh, set up a task group, and I do here have a, um, a, a proposal that would allow us to do that, but I think probably if you ought to speak first, uh, seeing as it was your, you put it onto the work programme. Councillor Barbara Light. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yes, I do support the uh, request. It comes from uh, the local town council. I'm a Saffron Walden district councillor, so I support what the um, uh, town council is proposing. <coughs> I'm not an expert myself in planning matters in any way, shape or form. However, uh, I would be concerned that uh, transparency, principles, processes and practices are absolutely clear uh, within the Council. Um, therefore, I would request that this committee sets up a task and finish group to examine an example, and there will, may well be other examples, but to particularly consider putting in place uh, watertight practices for the future. Thank you. Is that a yes. Thank you. I, I will second that. Does anybody else wish to speak? What, what, I, what I've produced here is, is, um, is a short um, set of terms of reference, I think, which would be for to set up a task and finish group to review the council's past practice not to defend planning appeals, to draw any lessons from, from the past precedent and to recommend any principles and practices to be followed in future potential cases of non-defensive planning appeals. Uh, you know, as simple and as, as, as broad as one wishes to make it, but it, it seems to me that uh, you know this has been a matter of controversy. There, there have been two cases, and we're not here to. Well, we can't overturn those, but we can, I think, learn for the future about the circumstances under which the council 
might not defend an appeal in future and, and, and therefore when it ought not to uh, apply that and I think uh, you know, we don't want to discuss it any further tonight. I, I, would, um, I would like to be a member of this task group. Um, I don't know whether Councillor Light would Yes, I'd be happy to participate from the, um, as said, not from the uh, expertise of planning. Could I suggest that perhaps um, a planning expert, if necessary, could be brought in to inform us? Well, I, I, think, I think any task group can take advice from anybody, but I, I have had a word with um, Councillor Alan Mills, who is a member of the planning committee, and he's expressed an interest in taking part. Um, I mean, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be limited to three. If there are other members of this committee who want to be on it, then that's, that's fine. Is there anybody else? Councillor Barker wishes to say something. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure where to start. We're already moving forward to a, the membership of a committee, task and finish group. This committee has even begun to discuss whether it's actually going to exist. I think that is probably a little presumptuous. I think that there are several uh, words... Excuse me, Councillor Barker, it's not presumptuous to make a proposal. Yes, so I propose that we discuss this matter and then we decide on the composition of a task and finish group if there is going to be one. However, there is a problem in the wording, and it's quite difficult to keep up. Some of the wording has been said quite quickly, but often, especially in what was said by the speaker, and looking back at past refusals, the only way we can do that is going back to look at decision of full council, which we are not technically, and I don't think we are entitled to do so under the Constitution. Uh, I'll come in on that point. Yes, we, we're entitled to look at what decisions were, ma were made. We can't review them, we can't overturn them, we can't challenge them. But in terms of moving forward, then it makes sense to look at what decisions were made in the past, why they were made, and uh, whether we think that the same process should be followed again in future. So there's a difference between uh, re reviewing the decision and asking council to reconsider it, which clearly it can't done because water's under the bridge. Uh, so that, that's the position there, Councillor Barker. Councillor Asker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I was under the impression that this was perhaps more a case of principle that was being looked at, um, which I think is very important. Um, we're not looking for review on the past. What's done is done. Uh, this committee is here to look at the principle of how the council can move forward in a right and proper fashion. And I think that's been made very clear. I think Councillor Barker is actually singing up the wrong tree. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else wish to say anything? We have a, a proposal which has been proposed and seconded. I'll then put it to the vote that we set up. It would appear a three-person task group, uh, as named myself, Barbara Light, and Alan Mills, with the broadly the terms of reference that uh, which which can be reviewed as time goes on. But I think if we start it off now, then uh, that takes us forward. Those in favour? Anybody against? I didn't actually count. 
Can we have, <laughs> we better take that one again. Those in favour? One, two, three, four. Those against? One, two, three, four, five. So that is lost. There we are. Thank you very much. We'll move on to the next item. Right, our next uh, item is item four, to consider any matters refers to this committee in relation to a, a calling decision. There hasn't been one as far as I'm aware. No, so we can move on to item five. Responses to the executive, sorry, responses of the executive to reports of the committee. I don't believe we have anything under that item either. And then similarly, item six, invited reports from the executive. We don't have any on that item either. So we can then look at um, item seven, which has been updated, the cabinet forward plan. Yeah, yeah, I'm just referring. There was a revised um, copy of this sent round a little earlier. Does anybody have any points that they wish to raise on? I'll take it page by page. So the first page is about budget items. Well, we're dealing with that later in our agenda. Um, page or the second page no decisions to be taken in private you'll be pleased to hear and then we have other decisions on that page again relating to most of them no, some of them to the, the budget we've got the local development scheme which is a is a matter of some controversy uh, in terms of the timetable. I know it's a matter of controversy in terms of the recent planning policy working group, so we'll have to see how that fares at, um, at council. <coughs> the concern, by the way, is that um, a stage of consultation, proposal to stage of consultation is removed compared with uh, the old local plan. Anything else on, the, on that page that anybody wishes to speak to or raise any questions? And then we go on to the final page which starts with pay policy at the top. Um, I'm not sure whether that the pay policy one what the pay policy one relates to, and as Councillor Howell is here, perhaps he could tell us. Or well, I'm, I'm on the, the back page of, of this document. Uh, I don't know where it is on the. Oh, it's a new one. It's a new one. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Uh, Simon. 
Thank you, Pardon Chairman. Uh, there's a paper coming to Cabinet on the 16th of February with some proposals on the pay policy for uh, council employees. Uh, I don't believe it's been published as yet. Mr Webb has it, but it will come out shortly. It was actually published yesterday afternoon, but uh, it's the annual pay policy that goes to Cabinet and then on to Council later. In the month. If I can, Chairman, I think um, going back onto page two, decisions to be taken in private, I think there's an item missing there, which is the building control partnership. Um, but we will be talking about the building control partnership later on this agenda, so it's probably wise to talk about that then. Yes, yes, I, I should have said that I, I do intend to bring um, an urgent item under any other business, which is to, for us to bring forward discussions on the building control partnership uh, rather than leaving it till March, because that will be too late for us to influence the decision of Cabinet which apparently is required by the end of March, so I'll bring that up later. I take it there's nothing else that members wish to discuss on this list. Thank you. Now look at our um, work programme, uh, agenda item 8. Which has been uh, brought, brought up to date. Members, any, any questions on that? As, as I did say, the, we did have in, in column one for this meeting, uh, the last version we had, we had building control down as a, a possible start item. It was then subsequently thought that it would only come to March, so we'll pick it up at the end of this meeting, or at least start, start the discussions. Has, has anybody got any questions about the work programme. Remember that this is only the work programme up to, to June. We have a, a long list of other items that haven't yet found themselves into the work programme. And of course, we don't have yet, and, and we ought to have soon, a 1617 work programme. I'll, I'll just ask Mr. Orty where we are with that. I think the best way to deal with the <clears throat> 1617 work programme is perhaps when we take the year-end scrutiny report at the next meeting, um, that would be the opportunity to list those items that were on the long list and start looking at what seem to be priorities for members of the committee, and we can start slotting those into the work programme then. That sounds a good idea. No more questions? Councillor Light. Yes, thank you. Um, I'd just like some information, please, on two points. One is on the... Um, relationship between UDC and ECC, there's a scoping report, so I'd just like to know who is preparing that. And the second question, the second point there, is the review of the cabinet system, what, um, what is being prepared there, who is working on that. Thank you. Mr. Orte. Okay, in terms of the um, relationship between UDC and ECC, the scoping reports are prepared by um, officers usually 
uh, myself and Mr Webb as a starting point, drawing on other officers and what they think might be relevant. We then take it to the committee and it's up to the committee to look at the suggestions we make and whether that's the, the, the path they want to take or if there's anything else they think ought to be considered. Scope and reports then agreed at the committee meeting and the committee decides uh, how it wants to proceed, whether it wants a report from an officer at the next meeting, set up a task and finish group or, or whatever. Um, in terms of the um, review of the cabinet system, that was one of the items that was on the long list. Um, if you recall, um, at a previous meeting, Councillor Dean said he had written to the chairman of the Constitution Working Group, um, who has replied with... Um, with his thoughts on the subject uh, in the form of a report, so we thought as a starting point it would probably be best to bring that to the committee so the committee can see the uh, Constitution Working Group Chairman's uh, views on the subject and decide how the committee wishes to take it forwards. Thank you. I think we'll move on to the next agenda item. Yes, thank you. This brings us on to the um, budget papers, uh, a mountain of papers that m members have. You were all sent a paper copy. I'm sure you'd be pleased about that. Um, and, uh, and I hope everybody's read them, every, every numeral uh, uh, and every letter. Um, we had a very useful summary document sent out yesterday. It, it's, it's about five sides, I think. Did it run to five sides or four sides? Um, <clears throat> which, which highlights a set of key points. Other members may have their own uh, key points. And I'm actually going to follow that, but refer to the, uh, the, the documents that you've been provided with. There, there are also some update documents uh, sent round, and I'm going to ask Mr. Webb just to clarify what additional information has been sent to members and that we've got in front of us in addition to the, the main pack of papers and the summary document. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the document's just being handed round at the moment, which was emailed out to members last, last night. The Chairman asked Councillor Howe for a two to four page summary of the budget papers, which was a challenge in itself. Um, and I sent that round on his behalf yesterday afternoon. I hope you have had a chance to read that in conjunction with the papers. As I pointed out at the time, it shouldn't be read as a standalone item. It must be read with the papers. Uh, the, the budget itself is still going along at the moment. Um, normally, the provisional settlement figures are announced by the government at the beginning of December. There's then a consultation period, and by now we would have had the final decision. The provisional wasn't announced until the 17th of December, so the, there was a subsequent delay, knock-on delay for the consultation, and the final settlement figures were actually announced yesterday evening and uh, are debated in the House of Commons tomorrow. So what we're working on at the moment is what we think are the final ones, but they might change slightly. I doubt it at this stage. Normally, the provisional end up as the final. It is incredibly rare for it to change. However, this year it has changed. And I sent out to members this morning uh, an update on where it affects us. And I'll take you through that now because, as I'll explain, we're not changing the budget papers that you've had before you. So the, the main changes, there are, there are three changes which really affect us. Uh, there are, there's been extra money allocated to the Rural Services 
grant delivery grant scheme, which for next year, 1617, means the council will receive an additional 278,000. It is also now confirmed that that will carry on for the following three years. The, the amount varies slightly, but the principle is that we're still going to get a sizable sum for those years. Members will recall from the presentation I gave back in January that uh, we as an authority lose revenue support grant over two years compared to the government scheme of four years. It's just the way the calculations go. Uh, what the government have therefore done is for those authorities like us that lose it in two years, they've also provided a transitional grant to help with the presumably years three and four. For some reason they're paying it in years one and two. But um, we are going to get 60, just short of 61,000 in each of those years, 16, 17 and 17, 18. So it's all very good news for us. In addition, you may recall that the, the presentation I mentioned about because we're losing revenue support grant over two years, we actually end up in the perverse situation of where we end up in negative RSG. So we have to pay the government in years three and four. The government have now confirmed that won't happen. So we're, we're a small amount of 10,000 better off in 1819 and 30,000 in 1920. I think overall, though, it is still the same message when we get to the MTFS. It doesn't change the bottom line figures that much. For the first two years, we've got surpluses. The surpluses are now slightly bigger. The following years, we have a deficit, and the deficit is now slightly smaller. But the principle is still the same. Now, I mentioned that we're not changing the budget. It's too late, really, to sit down. We would have to change every report, and that is beyond us in the time to get this all done. So what we are doing is leaving the budget as it was when you had your papers last week. And when we get into next year, and uh, Mrs Knight delivers the um, quarterly reports, you will start with a position of a surplus of 339,000. So the 278 and the 61 will be treated as extra money received next year. Um, so that's, that's the position where we're at. I will confirm tomorrow after the House of Commons debate that nothing else has changed. But uh, uh, we're not expecting anything to change now. Moving on, if I can then. Do I wasn't expecting a, 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 long, a long presentation, Mr. Webb, but... Um, I'm pleased of that. <laughs> no, no, I, I, well, I mean, what, what I'm getting at is that we, we've all had a chance to look at the papers, yep. and, and I, I, think it's, I think it's appropriate that members ask questions. I was just going to, if uh, I can... If you've got, if you've got a, a, a very... Yeah, I wasn't going to go through then, each, each paper specifically. What I was just going to do was cover Agenda Item 9, because that's a relatively new. We introduced this last year um, to make life easier for the recommendations and everything. So it summarises all the recommendations, and these are the recommendations that Cabinet are being asked to approve next Tuesday. You will see in summary point one, it does ask for scrutiny committee's views on each of the reports, and what will happen is we will collate them both as we go along tonight and indeed by listening to the recording, uh, ready for the Chairman to report next week to Cabinet. So your comments will be noted down and reported next week. And that was about what I was going to present, Chairman. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think that's very much for the, the committee to make comments. We're not, I don't think we're going to be you know, approving or endorsing or voting against the budget as such. I think, I think we're here to give guidance if we're able. Uh, and, and, and if there are questions that can't be answered tonight, then leave those to be taken away to be answered by the time the, the Cabinet uh, meets 
next week, and I see I've got a mountain of papers behind me for that, uh, <laughs> given to me this evening, um, which I will take home. Um, yes, what, well, I would, I would like to kick off the discussion um, on, essentially on agenda item 9, because the, one of the appendices to that is the corporate plan. And I have to say, having looked at this, I, I find it, um, and I am speaking personally, I, I find it somewhat uh, wishy-washy, if that's uh, not too derogatory a term. Uh, it's, it's a mild term, I think, in, in, my, in this case. I, and, and the main thing is, well, well looking down the left-hand column, there seem to be overlaps. You know, the second row talks about uh, health and well-being, as does... The, the fourth row where it talks about creating and maintaining healthy, thriving communities. And then looking down the we will do this column, it, it's, it, it's not, to me, um, enough about outcomes and, and smart outcomes. And, and I, would, I would have thought that it ought to have a bit more um, clarity about what's going to happen, you know, and, and when it's going to happen. You know, just to take an example, working closely closely with the armed forces at Carver Barracks. Well, as far as I know, we we, are, we do that. So, ha what's different, and, and what is it that's going to happen as a result? It, it, in other words, I just have a feeling working closely with Essex County Council, including to ensure our roads and pavements are maintained to a high standard. Well, that's. Uh, that, there's a sort of outcome there, apart from the fact that the county council has cut its um, road improvement budget by 50% today, so I understand, so that might be difficult, difficult to achieve. Um, so, so, and I don't want to go through this in detail, but I just feel that the, the corporate plan, it doesn't say, it doesn't tell me what it is that's different that the council is going to do next year and what and and by the time we get to march 2017 what will have happened that everybody you know people can see is different and, and you know if i've got the wrong idea about what a corporate plan should be then you know then then do tell me but i feel that it could do with being smartened up and and even slimmed down so there are fewer things down here but things that we can we, we know when we've done it whereas a lot of these things we're probably going to be working closely with the armed service at Carver Barracks in three years' time uh, and were three years ago. So I, I feel it needs that approach and you know, I, I don't need to have a response to that unless somebody has got a, um, uh, tells me I've got it wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll, invite, I'll invite Councillor Seldon. Is this on the same topic? And then, and then I'll ask Mr Webb to obviously wishes to say something. Yes, I, I don't think you have got it wrong, Chairman. Um, you used the word smart, and I, I would use that as well, because when you're <coughs> planning, you, you, you would use the acronym SMART, specific, measurable, achievable, time-related. And it's not a challenge what's presented here, I don't feel, um, because there's nothing which you can hang it on. And, and how, do, how do you measure any, there's not, not really outcomes, I don't see how you can measure it and whether between 2016 and 2021 you have actually made any improvements 
on these particular areas. So it's very general. Um, and in some cases, I think a bit incoherent in that what the outcome we do this by doesn't actually fit the box on the left-hand side because I'm not sure, for example, about setting a high example by exemplary corporate governance and standards. Does that match that one? And what do we mean by setting a high example by exemplary corporate governance? What, is, what do we mean by that? I'm not sure. Mr Webb. Thank you, Chairman. I should have probably said at the start, there's a separate Cabinet paper next week which deals with this. This was put in purely to set the scene for you today, but there is a separate paper on this next week. I think what you have before you is obviously from the administration. The relevance to health is the importance they put on the health agenda, so that is now built into it. This, this document is very much high level. What flows from this is the directorate plans and the service plans. So there, there are the means of delivering the administration's wishes, wishes which are in front of you here. But I'll, I'll take all the notes and comments that you've made and feed it back via the chairman next week. Yeah, I mean, all I would say, if I were an officer, I wouldn't know what to do with it. And when, you were, and when the administration was expecting me to do something. So, uh, but we were, I want uh, Councillor Barker wishes to say something. You may. I'm indicating. It was just to add, I took this as, as I would normally expect to see a one-pager talking about what the key strategies are, which would be supported by a series of other pieces of work, plans and policies that, that sit underneath. Whether we have... Uh, have a copy of that, which of course would be would be useful. But as a as a setting out a strategy for for the district, then it, it's similar to ones that you would see if you looked at a city of London, for example. It'd be very similar on what the key areas of focus would be. I I didn't introduce Councillor Davis, who's just spoken. <laughs> Councillor Barker. I think the, I was go along with what Councillor Davis says that um, I think probably the problem is it's a corporate plan. I see this very much as a strategic document. It tells us what we would like to be doing over a great and where we would like to be. Not what the plan is as in a little we will do 25,000 of these or 100,000 of those and I think that uh, it would be a mistake to assume that it was the plan. It is a strategy and an ethos and uh, I think the sort of personality of the council as opposed to a hard, smart task list that we're going to produce over the next five years. Thanks for that. Anyway, we'll, we'll, well I'll be at Cabinet next week, so we'll see what, uh, what that paper looks like. I'll, I'll, take, I'll bring, raise one more question and then, and then see who else around the table has got something. I'm, I'm looking at the um, paperwork relating to robustness of estimates, which is the, the first area where um, the matter of the special purpose vehicle arises. It, it arises in various parts of the documentation, so I'm not going to refer you to all those many places that it, that it uh, occurs. But under... I think it, it, applies, it occurs in the risk area. Sorry, it doesn't occur in the risk area. And it strikes me that, um, from what I know so far, 
about the special purpose vehicle which uh, is, as I understand it, intended to be the council investing in market housing in order to, do, to derive an income and setting up a, up a company to do that. Uh, that whole concept doesn't appear as a risk in the risk area and if anything from what I know about it at the moment or the limited amount I know about it at the moment it's probably one of the biggest risks that we've got the council to face because it's never done it before so, so I do think it should be there and uh, uh, I you know I, I guess I guess when we get on to that and I know this is not really going to be honed before the budget is set but I think there are, you know, there are a lot of questions here about what is it? What is, what's, what's the unique selling point of Uttlesford that it should be doing this? Um, how are we going to do it to make sure that that it's commercially handled in a commercial way and that we don't end up losing large amounts of money because either there's a recession, which some, some people tell me has already started, but I'm never sure, um, and, and, and so on. So you know, we're not here tonight to discuss it, but I just think that it's, it needs to be very soon, it needs to be set out and that we, members need to know much more about that. And because it's not in the risk register, I feel it's appropriate to raise it now. And Mr. Webb is going to uh, tell me he's got it all sorted. No, that's at the time of the budget strategy, which came to Cabinet in January, we set out that we wouldn't be including it in the 16-17 budget papers that were coming before you in February because all that's been agreed so far is in, is in principle to set it up. It's, that it needs much more work and a separate paper and information education for people about what this sort of vehicle does. And that will be coming to scrutiny and cabinet in the next couple of months probably um, as we as we develop this it's too early to I don't want to guess at what the risks are I mean yes I could put one in about we could lose money but I think there's there are much the risks are more varied than that and we need to make sure we get all of the risks in rather than just the money one so we took the decision not to put it in there it's referenced in here that there will be things like a reserve set up next year assuming we move forward it's 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 an embryonic stage at the moment and we need to get further before we actually build it into everything so. yeah okay thanks for that i don't think we need to discuss that any further unless anybody's got any anything else i'll take one more on my list uh, and then in, invite others the other one was really um the risk i think one of the first risks on the list is about um underspends well i'm sorry um it, it, it's not and i get you know my question is what is the what is the risk of yet another substantial underspend by the time we get to March 2017. Now we've had a underspends of various amounts over the last seven or so years. There's been an underspend every year and it's varied from, I think it was 70,000 one year and uh, it's some, several hundred thousand pounds or more than, sorry, more than a million uh, on, on occasions. Um, we've just heard that there's another £339,000 that is going to amount to an underspend and I guess I would class that as a, 
windfall unexpected underspend so we can't blame ourselves for that <laughs> we don't want to blame anybody we're grateful that we're getting it um, but nevertheless underspends in, in some ways are as uh, bad but in the opposite direction as overspends so would it, would it be possible Mr. Webb in future that when we, when we address underspends that we identify the, the underspends that are as a result of external events that we've got no control over so we can more or less say, well, it's somebody else's reason, and that might be things like business rate changes, which are mentioned here, that we can't, we are in somebody else's hands, and the other underspends where we've overestimated what we needed to provide a service, and uh, lo and behold, there's a load left at the end of the year that we could have spent on something else if only we'd been good, better at at, at, at um, forecasting. So. I think there are two categories there. I just wonder whether that's something that, as, as we go on, we can kind of differentiate between the two types. I think the, the report sort of does that now that comes to you, but we can be more specific. Um, I think in terms of budget reporting, variance reporting, we are getting better. I think the 70,000 you referred to was a couple of years ago just before business rates come in. Since then, it's been business rates that have primarily caused us the problem. But just to give... Uh, the chairman some information I think back in at the end of quarter one we were predicting a figure and at the end of quarter three which is in the cabinet papers that you've collected today uh, we are almost identical in what we're saying is the figure so I think we are we are getting better we can we can do more of course we can do more you can always do more but um, we will certainly look at splitting out those that we have direct control of and those that are more of a bonus or a hindrance to us Okay, I'm on, I'm on page 34 and 35. Does anybody... I've got one or two more questions, but does anybody have a, a question on these areas of, of risk to, that you want to probe? Right, while you're thinking, I'll come in with another one. Um, it's about um, car park income, which is item D on the list on page 34. I'm rather puzzled by the rationale. It says the probability of, of uh, car park income varying, I can't remember whether it's up or down, is medium, but the impact would be low, and yet it's a medium risk in terms of budgetary variation. So I don't really understand that. If something's low and therefore doesn't matter, how can it be a medium risk? I think it's to do with the monetary value. Um, it's a low impact because the possible variance would be up to 100,000 one way or the other. So I think that, that all it refers to is low, is if there is a change in car parking tariffs or we lose some car parking spaces for a period of time, the impact will actually be low. Thank you, Chair. Um, would the same impact affect on item F, then, on planning appeals, if the risk of costs is low? Um, th th does that same sort of thing apply? I, I just feel that um, it makes a mockery of the, one of the recent uh, or the, one of the earlier ITER agenda, uh, agenda items. Uh, 
I think, I think you're... We've classified it as low, as the impact would be up to £100,000 on us. Is, is this um, an area that we perhaps want a bit more information on? I know we're no longer having a scrutiny review into that area, um, but we can still ask for further information um, about... I mean, it's this whole issue or this whole question mark about um, costs of defending of, and appeals. And, and I don't know that members understand the uh, quantification of that um, and essentially the, you know, the, the decision-making process. I mean, we all know that members of the planning committee sometimes um, are asked to take into account cost of appeals, and yet when we were discussing uh, the, the matter of, um, what was it, the sanctions from not having a local plan or for having staff agreed and lo losing no homes bonus, we were quite adamant that that was, that was inappropriate, an appropriate approach to take, and I'm getting nods around the table that that is the case. Um, what, what I guess members don't know is what the cost of defending appeals actually is year on year, um, and, and I think it's just a piece of information that you know it's not part of the doesn't have to be a part of the business sorry the budget making process, but um, but I think it's something that we we could have at a future date, and then it might help Councillor Asker and me and others to understand the, 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 the scale of the whole process. Councillor Barker wishes to have a word. I'm going to ask Mr. Webb a question. A low risk or low impact means it's only going to cost us £100,000. However, if you look on the other page, the failure of a UK bank, it has high impact, so I assume that's lots of money going out. It's not what it actually costs. Is it? So the performance and audit must have said, or the auditors must have said, that if it's going to cost us £100,000 in our overall income, that is of low impact. However, if land is banky go again, that's a high impact because it's lots of money. Is that right? That's correct. On um, item J, uh, local plan, additional consultancy spend or resources may be needed in order to take forward the local plan process and certainly you know, I know from being a member of the policy planning working group that um, new people have been brought in recently to um, do things like project management which I think is an important thing and of course there's a whole area of um, st external studies. What I'm, what I'm not clear about is um, whether, whether this means there's lots of budget slack there, or, or, or how, is this, how is this handled in terms of unknowns? Because if, if we talk about risk, then you talk about, and I know it's saying low. So is that saying that the, is that saying that the, the maximum vari variance from budget is £100,000? That is what the risk is identified at the moment. Now, clearly, risk can change as they go on but that's what it is at the moment. At the start of the year, obviously, we have the salary in the pot in the budget for the assistant director, and we also have the salary for the post that's currently occupied by Mr Fox. 
Um, so there is already some money there and there is always consultancy money built into that budget. So there is scope to cover those costs. What it's saying is there may be a risk to the budget of up to 100,000 of extra spend which would be met by the planning reserve. Right. I'm sure this is something that the um, planning working group will keep its eye on. Any other member coming in at this stage? I've got a, an, a question on on page. No, I'm not. I'm on page 46 next. So, has anybody, anybody got anything before page 46? Councillor Davis. Councillor Davis first, and then Councillor Sell, you want to come in afterwards? Councillor Davis. Yeah, thank you. It was just um, green beans, <laughs> noting the, 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 the risk presented by um, food imports. It, it, feels like, it feels like it's, isn't it, potentially an opportunity for other items to be taken in and assessed uh, through Stansted? There, there is an opportunity and we're exploring it Mr. at the Webb. moment. Sorry, Jim. There is, a, there is an opportunity and we're exploring it at the moment. Um, Manchester Air Group, along with um, the carriers, are keen to bring in more imported goods uh, through Port Health. But the facility itself is too small, so we're looking at ways to get that upgraded to be able to generate more income. It's part of our strategy for income generation. Yeah, I'm on page 44 as well, and a couple of things strike me. First of all, we've referred to it already this evening, the special purpose vehicle, C10, and we follow the data from left to right, and we can see how important an element in our reserves this particular vehicle is going to be. And like you, Chairman, with very limited knowledge at the moment as to what this SPV is going to do, uh, but it's certainly crucial that it does do the job correctly. Um, the other thing is, of course, is the total heading, total usable reserves, which go from 6.2 million up to estimate of 10 million in 1819. Of course, Council taxpayers would be wanting to say, right, what are the reserves doing for us? But the reserves shouldn't be just sitting there earning a return. They should be either investing in the infrastructure or alternatively, perhaps through the SPV, getting a return on that investment. But clearly, with that level of reserves, it's going to be a challenge with this council to make sure that the reserves are going to be used as wisely as possible. Yeah, thanks for that comment. Is that noted? Uh, yeah. Mr Chairman, I'm, I'm very keen for the opportunity to, when I've heard the comments, to respond to some, to echo comments and to, to take away some... some, um, some remarks that have been made today. Would you be kind enough to invite me at, at the appropriate point? I will. Thank you. To pick up um, 
on page 46, the um, transformation reserve. Um, and, and bullet three says, as the council transforms, it is likely that a number of services will cease to be provided. This will inevitably lead to redundancy being paid. We've never, well, to my knowledge, we've never really talked about um, transformation. I don't know whether we, as a council, really um, have got to grips with what that might mean or define what it means for, the, for, the, for this council. I mean, for some organisations, it means that they operate totally differently from the way they used to do five years ago or whatever. And um, you know, I, I think that we've, we've kind of tweaked a bit here and tweaked a bit there. That's my, that's my perception. And, you know, all in the right direction, I might say, or most of it in the right direction. But, but if, we're, if we're talking about uh, changing the way the council works, transforming it, how we want to de define it, and, and potentially leading to redundancy paid staff, it, is, it seems to me that as a, uh, as a council we ought to have um, a better narrative um, about what this means and what, what it's likely to mean if we're wanting to take people with us. I, I, I just think that you know, the, the council needs to get its head around what transformation means and then tell everybody, or maybe, you know, maybe some people know, um, but that's the best way to convince staff and, and, and members that we're doing the right thing and, that, and then they'll all be with us rather than you know, fighting to uh, keep things as they are. So I, I don't necessarily want a, a response to that, but I think it's, it's not specifically related to the budget, but it's something that's in these papers, and I think it's fairly fundamental to, to, you know, to the whole process. And I see a few nods around the table, so I think I will take it that, that there's, there's something there that uh, we can think about on another occasion, um, I'm sure. Yes, certainly, Councillor Sell. Because the implication there is that inevitably lead to statutory redundancy. What I'd like to see is some acknowledgement that in some cases redeployment within the council might be a way forward rather than just the assumption that it's going to service is going to cease providing and therefore the people providing that service automatically become redundant. There may be a case where an individual could be redeployed within another area of the council. There are a few smiles around the table, so I think that point's been taken. Councillor yeah, Light, Councillor Light first. Thank you. Um, yes, I, my concern here would be within that... Um, one sentence or one phrase particularly, and I, I absolutely agree with what's being said, it's likely that a number of services will cease to be provided. So I think it's not only an internal impact, it's also a potential external impact. So how will this affect um, our council taxpayers, our residents in the area? And I think that needs, uh, I would suggest some kind of review, overall review, and I hope this is happening and I'd like to hear about it. Thank you. Well, I, I think people will look at the words to see whether, I mean, is this a, is this a permanent document or is this just for the purpose of the, this budget setting process? I'm not, I'm not clear whether it's a, you know, 
a living document. It forms part of the reserve strategy, so it's reviewed regularly. And um, as I've mentioned, because the New Homes Bonus Consultation, it's coming back in the autumn. So we can look at the wording and bring it where you look to have updated that wording okay. for the okay. autumn. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I mean, elsewhere in these papers there are references to services that have been stopped, such as pest control, and it says how much money has been saved, and that's simply you know, gone out and the private sector now carries it out. So, fine. Councillor Barker, did you have something at this point? I think that um, what I think I'm reading it right is that when you reduce service, there will be a reduction in the manpower required because that's producing an efficiency and a saving, and that uh, staff will be employed and redeployed throughout the council, but only in exceptional circumstances or at certain points will redundancy be implemented, because I'm sure, uh, having been a civil servant before, I know that the unions would be very keen to make people in employment, and we would be very keen not to take the pension strain of dismissing somebody. Mr. Autry would like a word. Uh, just to say the Council does have um, uh, redeployment uh, processes for anybody who is at risk of redundancy, so um, we always look to redeploy where we can. I'm on um, page 47, only moved on one page. Uh, item C4, New Waste Depot Site. This is a project that's been lumbering around for some time, I think. Um, and if I remember correctly, looking at some of the, the papers, it shows that there was £1.5 million originally due to be spent this year, and I think some of it's been spent. Uh, none of it. No, that's right. Uh, the latest forecast was that some of it would have spent this year and there was going to be 600,000 or something like that left to be finished off in the coming financial year. Now I think it's all been um, carried over to the next financial year. I am, I am a bit concerned. First of all, we're not talking here, and Councillor Susan Barker may be able to answer this, if nobody else can. Um, we're not talking here about the county council's once intended uh, recycling site in Dunmo. We are talking about the facility that's currently at New Street in Dunmo that's in the wrong location, vehicle maintenance and, and so on, that's, that we're looking to provide a more appropriate location. Uh, and, and the, as if I understand it correctly, the process for finding a location is still uh, going on and there's nothing yet that can be said publicly about where it might go because it's not settled. Is that correct, Mr. Wem? You are correct in that it's New Street that we're, we're talking about and getting out of the centre of the town of Dunmo. Um, we have been working hard to find alternative site. We are currently negotiating with a couple of potential options. So it has moved on quite significantly and I'm hopeful in the next month or so that we'll have significant progress on, on the way forward, certainly within the next couple of months. Um, and that's the reason the money the money was identified as being spent this year. However, the negotiations are taking longer than expected. So that's why it's been moved back. It's just slipped a few months, which happens to cross a financial year. Thank you. Anybody got anything on page 48? Otherwise, I'll go on to page 49. I've got a question on, um, on, on economic development. Um, as far as I'm aware, we don't have any member 
oversight of economic development, although Councillor Redfern, I think, is the um, Cabinet member for that. Um, but it doesn't have a, a great deal of um, visibility. It, it occasionally has, if I remember correctly, um, a plan, whatever, you, whatever it calls itself, business plan that comes forward. Um, I'm not sure whether that's monitored in terms of its um, it outcomes and, and, and value on that. So, uh, I mean, I will, I will declare an interest as a, as a member of, uh, on this occasion, of Stansted's Economic Development Working Group. And so we do have there have, have an interaction with that. But I, I'm raising that now because there's obviously quite a number of activities mentioned here. And I think, I think it would be helpful uh, in the coming year to have some form of review. I'm not suggesting at this stage that scrutiny uh, uh, sets up an <laughs> another task group, but, but, but I'd like, to do, I'd like us the Council to think about how, what form of member oversight there could be there, particularly because it's one of the important areas we're wanting to promote new jobs and so on in, 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 the, in the district, and uh, it seems to me a bit kind of opaque at the moment from a district point of view as opposed to what might go on in Dunmo and Saffron Walden and Stansted. Mr Webb has something to say. Just to update the committee, there is actually a lead portfolio member for economic development and that's Councillor Riles. Um, no, he's the lead member. He's the lead member, I apologise. Lead member. And the actions on the right hand column there are all coming from the economic development strategy which is the document you were referring to chairman that does come to cabinet annually i believe okay so if anybody wants to know more they they talk to councillor riles for, to to begin thank you Does anybody get anything on page 50, 51? No. Councillor Light. <coughs> Excuse me, Councillor Light. Thank you. Could I just take you back to page 49? The uh, C7 homelessness. Um, so there is an un a potential reserve remained unused and likely will not be used and closed. Um, I'd just like to know something about the fluctuating demand for homelessness or for the homeless support. So do we have homeless people? What level of support is available? Um, what happens if people are made homeless? That's, Mr. Not, Webb. that's not something I have to hand, Councillor. Um, we will have to get you the answers for that. There is The reason this reserve has been unused is there is obviously a homelessness budget that we have, and that has proved sufficient to cover the costs year on year. So that's why this one hasn't been used, and what we're saying is if it doesn't get used this year, there really isn't a fit purpose and reason to retain it. Uh, Chairman, there is a report regularly with the Performance and Audit Committee of the number of homeless, which is obviously something of concern to the Performance and Audit Committee, and it comes up regularly. It's one of, one of the items that's reported on every, every, every meeting. Thank you, Councillor Oliver, and I think Councillor Light's on the Performance and Audit Committee, so probably the best place is to pursue it there. Councillor Redfern, do you wish to have a, a word? Um, 
I just want to be um, certain that there's not some confusion over this is something that's in the um, general fund that's used for um, as a support for homelessness but of course we do have the um, homeless um, accommodation that the, well the general fund has some and the um, HRA has some so it's not the same it's not the same thing this is like an additional sort of safety blanket that we put in place and it hasn't actually been used and of, of course we've got lots of strategies for looking after the homeless and um, as we do have a duty to um, to house people and so don't, please don't feel that we're taking something away um, it's just sat there and not been used it was an extra thing that was brought in I can't remember how long ago but not quite a few yeah two or three years ago and it, do, it doesn't get dipped into so it seems pointless having it sitting there when the other things we've got in place seem to work adequately sorry just wanted to fill you in thanks for that can we move on to agenda item 11 the, um, the cabinet's agenda item 11 medium-term financial strategy. I guess there's not a, a lot we can probe here because it's still very much interim and waiting for various uh, inputs, as Mr. Webb said earlier. There, there is one question that arose for me, though, and that's the um, strategic solutions work streams, uh, which are identified on page 56, which essentially are the the areas where the council is endeavouring to cut its costs from having shared services um, introducing devolution which means things like handing services to town councils and I think particularly Saffron Walden Town Council in the past income generation and I know we've been talking about that in a big way uh, earlier on but there's, there's been some some there in terms of fees and so on and service reductions uh, in other words, some areas where services are not being delivered anymore and, and, and efficiency services. I, I did ask um, officers earlier to just try and quantify those. I don't think I've got it broken down into the actual, you know, what proportion has been uh, addressed by shared services. Um, but I did, I did notice from the, the figures that about 23% of the services were, were or cuts or savings were achieved by handing over services to Saffron Walden Town Council which um, <laughs> bearing in mind I read all sorts of letters in the paper about them and their precept this year I, I don't know how much that features in terms of their um, council tax going up and we're not talking about Saffron Walden or Town Council or Parish Council precepts tonight but that's obviously part of it I'm sure um, but I think it will be helpful um, at some stage to uh, and I've raised this business about transformation before for the council to identify how it's how, how, this, how the spread of improvements is split between the, those, those categories because it's always you know, useful to, particularly if you know, I, was, I was raising the question about transformation, well how much of this improved efficiency is through real transformation of how this council does things as opposed to handing stuff off to others to do or not doing them at all. And I, so um, you know, I, I don't su suggest that we probe that any de more detail tonight but I think it's something that the cabinet ought to um, 
be aware of and or not to publicize that so we can see how well we're doing how well we trend from year to year um, does anybody have any questions other questions about the medium-term financial strategy can uh, sorry who's that you <laughs> councillor barker does I was quite pleased in the previous agenda item that there were letters and numbers against the lines, so Councillor Sell could easily point out C10. Um, Mr. Webb probably knows what I'm going to say. We now move into the part of the document where we lose titles for tables and line numbers and trying to follow things through the budget book and through the papers we're being given is exceedingly difficult. Do I, and we still have this thing about some things are minus meaning it's a positive and some things are positive meaning it's black and some things are in brackets. I think now, because Councillor Howell was on scrutiny in the last administration, so that means he's listened to me for four and a half years, nearly five years, banging on about numbering and line numbering so that everybody can see where money goes to a particular service and we can follow it through. We are not going to be able to pick up variances or underspends or overspends unless the budget lines are religiously allocated to the service or provision that we're providing. Mr Webb doesn't have to answer because he's told me that he's working on it. Thanks for that. I'm going to, therefore, unless somebody wishes to ask any questions on detailed lines in the from page 59 up to page 134, I'm going to pass over those on the basis that there's going to be yet another version of it in a month or two. And, and I'm now on page 135, unless somebody stops me and says go back. Mr. Webb wishes to just, make just, a comment. Yeah, just for clarification, Chairman, um, there will be a revised version of the medium-term financial strategy. You've actually jumped the Treasury Management Strategy, Agenda Item 12, on page 69, uh, which is primarily a technical document, but uh, there are some changes around where we will be investing our money recommended to Cabinet, so you may want to have a look at that. Yes, thank you for helping me to chair the meeting properly by not missing bits out, although as it so happens, I personally didn't have anything I was going to ask, um, but I will find out if anybody, anybody else wishes to uh, raise a point, Councillor Barker does. Well, I dug out the pieces of paper at the same time the Telegraph was, and the Guardian was lying on my desk. Uh, on page 78, um, there are various things, there are various things like the continued global recovery has led, blah, blah. Uh, there was a, a positive air that the world economy was going forward in great leaps and bounds. That Alan Close then projected there's going to be a bank rate rise. Um, but then when we go to page 109 later on, they actually bring in some doubt. And I wondered whether or not, given that the Chinese stock market is crumbling, given that the price of oil is doing something very strange, given that the FTSE is the lowest it's been since when? Three years ago. Three years ago. Um, are these predictions from Alan Coase going to be updated to reflect um, the closeness of a debt bubble burst? We work closely with Arlene Close all the time, so we, will, we get regular updates. Um, clearly, this is a snapshot in time when the document was prepared. Um, the, as the situation changes and should it 
impact on our strategy, we would of course bring it back to Cabinet for a change. Um, but uh, I think the, the, the most significant part of this strategy is, if I can just point members to page 70 and paragraph 4.2, the table. Um, Chairman. Sorry, Chairman. Chairman, could I just ask, the only people working on paper copies are the people round this table. Anyone listening in is listening in and they've got an ether copy which doesn't have your page numbers on. So it's incredibly difficult to follow the conversation where you've got a nice paper copy and we've got a nice ether copy. So could somebody possibly say it's page four of item 12? That would be very helpful. I will certainly do that. Now we know what it's like being at Cabinet, Councillor Barker. <laughs> but you have the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I have this time. <laughs> Page 2 of item 12, yeah. bullet point 4.2, the table. That sets out where we have uh, changes recommending to Cabinet. <coughs> For the rest of you, it's page 70. You will, you will see at the moment with the cash limit, the figure in brackets is what we're proposing to increase it to. In the time limit column, it's likewise... The bracketed figures are the number of days we're proposing to increase the deposits to. And in the very final line, you will see that we are proposing on the left-hand side, the general counterpart of this column, we're proposing to include non-UK domiciled funds. So there, there are some changes. These are all... Uh, we, we set our closer task uh, following request by Cabinet to try and increase our income from investments whilst maintaining the same level of risk. That they've gone away and done, and this is their recommendation that we're now bringing to Cabinet. So I think it's just important, Chairman, to highlight that these are changes to our investment strategy. Um, do we just simply wish to note them, or does Councillor Barker wish to ask a question or make a No, I don't mean, sorry, that we've got to, just for, if anybody is listening in, we've got Councillor Susan Barker, who is not a member of the committee and uh, is sitting on the back row and Councillor Graham Barker, who is sitting on my left at the, at the table, and Councillor Graham Barker wishes to speak. Yes, Chair, I have two questions, really. Um, if I put money in the bank and it goes bust, we get 100,000 euros or something. Um, the first question is, uh, when we put money with a bank, how much, do we, uh, how much are we underwritten by any protection plan? Um, I can possibly answer some of that, but we might have to come back to you with some more detail. I mean, we did come to Cabinet last year at some point around the bail-in risk that local authorities take with investments. Yeah. And if the bank goes bust, then we obviously see that there's a certain element that we're at risk of um, to support that. But I can give some more detail if you require it. The second question... Am I right, but didn't Landis Banky have a double, triple A rating when it went bust? And there was great debate at council where we swore blind that we would never put our money outside our shores. The difference with this, these are actual money market funds rather than banks, so it's, sort of, it's more um, investment companies, and we can get the money back within a day, whereas with um, 
investment banks like Landsbanki, obviously we were tied in for the period of the actual <coughs> investment loan, whereas we, we can look at this on a daily basis if we needed to and withdraw the money immediately. That's almost worse. Uh, do we have any assurance that, um, that these are ethical investment funds? We wouldn't invest in any money market funds, whether they be UK or non-UK, without the assurances of Arling Close and our Treasury Management Consultants around that. And we'd also look to see where other um, local authorities were investing to be assured that, you know, across the board that we were secure. And we move on to item 13, capital programme, which is on... My page 106. Uh, I don't know where Councillor Susan Barker will find it, but um, um, anyway, it's agenda item 13. Chairman, I'm slightly. We're moving, we've done 11, 10, 11, now we're on to 13. There are resolutions attached to each agenda item. No, 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 no. Those are, those are resolutions for the Cabinet to decide, not, not, not for us. Recommendations. Item 13, which is the um, capital programme. Um, any questions from anybody about the capital programme? I, I will just say, wearing my local member hat, that I'm pleased that the capital programme contains the uh, proposed extension to the Lower Street car park in Stansted. Uh, we've mentioned the Dunmo depot, which is there. Councillor Sell, are you indicating? Over to you. I'm also wearing my local member hat, a Stansted member, and on page 113, just to say thank you for the grant of £30,000 towards the Stansted conveniences at the new uh, building, the new library. Thank you. Any other questions or comments on the capital programme? Because if not, we can move on to the next item, which is the housing revenue account which I will now move to. I have only one question on this, and that's the matter that's raised um, somewhere in here about potential refinancing of the £80 million loan that the Council has on, on its housing stock. What can you give, Mr. Webb, can you give us some indication of what the criteria would be for deciding whether or not to go down that route and, and, and how will we get to that point, decision point? Again, working with Arling Close, we monitor the market for loans. We also have to start repaying the debt next year. 
So that will cost us about £2 million a year. Now, whilst that's all factored into the business case, that clearly will have some impact on future development work. So there may be an opportunity with uh, low interest rates to renegotiate some of the deals and perhaps extend the, their repayable over 30 years at the moment. So it may be an option to look at lengthening that period. Um, just seeing what we can do to enable the programme to continue. We won't make those decisions. We'll work with Arlene Close, who were the original people who helped us come up with this arrangement. So that's the sort of thing we're looking at, trying to ensure we have enough money to be able to continue the excellent work that's been done so far. Thanks for that. Anything else on uh, housing revenue account? I will uh, move then to... Uh, 15, which is the general fund and council tax. And I, and I, and I guess my, I'm going to, I'll kick off on this with, my, with the first question to, to, to ask, I'm not sure whether it's Councillor Howell, well it probably ought to be Councillor Howell thinking about it. Um, what, what at the moment do you think is the medium term uh, council's tax strategy for the council. Uh, if you remember at the beginning of September it was, sorry, at the beginning of January it, or about the 11th of January I think, it was suggested that the, uh, the council tax might well be frozen again for the uh, for the coming financial year but now the papers are suggesting um, a 1% increase. I know that the officers projection for, for future years beyond this one is, is, is 2%. Um, members have certainly been given plenty of information in the last month about the, the risks or the probabilities of um, the Council's income going down, so they're from external sources in particular from central government, being that the normal long-standing race support grant, or not if you call it that, but whatever we call it now, uh, and, and, and a new homes bonus, which is an uncertainty area. So there are, there are uncertainties about standard areas of income. Um, I'd just like to have some feel for, for, for the way the, the, the administration sees, sees it going to deal, with, to deal with that and to do, deal with perhaps to deal with it in a kind of um, consistent way rather than ups and downs that have got the potential for confusing the public when it goes down one year and then it freezes the next year and then it goes up the next year. Is, is there, a, is there a, a way of achieving something which is a bit smoother than that, uh, and, uh, and, uh, avoiding the sorts of things. No, I won't go there. Well, again, I'm very happy to address that particular point at the end of the session, along with the other points that have been raised by by other members. If that, if you're happy with that. Yeah, if if, um, if if you prefer to do that, Councillor Howell. So we'll come back to that. Um, Councillor Sale. Yes, um, just like to follow on from what you were saying, Chairman, and my question is to Councillor Howe, as to what actually changed between the workshop we had on the budget, where the Leader of the Council said, we're going to have a zero percent increase, and then the following day at Cabinet, the 
that recommendation wasn't there, and now we've got a 1%. What new information that came to light in one day which led to that change in that decision? Both the chairman and I did raise the issue at the workshop of the fact that, as you recall, Councillor Howe, that the projection was of a deficit. So that's my first question. The other two questions, just, just wanted to page 137, where it says non-statutory service first, um, and it mentions that the County Council withdrew funding from the Lifeline service, and I just wondered whether I'm pleased to see that we are continuing to provide that service, but did we actually make any representations to the County Council? Because it seems to me um, a rather short-sighted stance by the County Council because the whole point of that lifeline service is to protect frail and vulnerable people. And if you can keep people out of hospital, it's actually going to be a lot lower cost for the for, for the country. And the last point I wanted to raise and declare an interest of the member of the Museum Management Working Party uh, is committee uh, is on page 138 where it says running Saffron Warden Museum and the residents consultation said lowest priority and it, it does note that uh, the museum will continue to be supported at the current budget level. Since 08-09, the budget has reduced by 44%. There is a danger, in my view. That I, I know we've got the museum society, and they do a lot, but there's a danger that if a service is run down, it's quite difficult to turn it around. I know that at our last meeting of the Museum Management Committee, uh, I, I did raise the point about the fact that the schoolroom was now going to be let out for rental income uh, rather than using it for what it was purpose. And that, I think I'm right in saying that the museum has not filled the vacancy of an education officer since that post holder left. And I think I'm right in saying that the museum has now only got three full-time members of staff and very much supported by volunteers. So I, I note what the residents have said, but I'm just saying that if we have an asset, which I believe it to be the case, the museum, um, you, you, you get what you pay for to some extent. Thank you. I think, I mean, there were three points there. I think we really ought to deal with them now, otherwise they'll get lost. Um, I mean, the first one is, and I don't know whether Councillor Howe will reconsider the, letting us know the thoughts on the council tax because it's been raised twice, and then the second one was about Lifeline, and the third one was about uh, museum, wasn't it? Who's, who's going to... You, Mr. Chairman, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to address each of the points, and, but, but we, we, you did say that you were quite happy to invite me in at the end when you've all had a chance to go through the papers. I've made a note of the Museum Society comments and the Lifeline Service. I'm very happy to deal with them to the extent that I can, to the extent that I'm not able to. I'll ask Mr. Webb to assist me. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I, I thought it was that you were noting the things we were saying and you would respond to some of those rather than where there were specific questions. 
put to you at the time. But uh, we'll, we can, uh, if, if that's your wish, we'll, we'll do it that way. Okay. Um, on um, somewhere in here, and I can't find the actual reference, there is. Um, oh, Mr. Webb, what would you like to? Well, I, th I think Councillor Howe was passing numbers two and questions two and three more to my direction. Um, there has been, in terms of the Lifeline Service, we have had constant discussions with Essex County Council around this, and yes, uh, maybe we've pointed out some short-sightedness in it as well, but uh, they face tremendous financial pressures. Um, their, their budget settlement was worse than any of their modelling, so they have gone through a tremendous pay, painful piece of work to try and get to where they need to be. So we, we do have to have some sympathies with them, but we have tried our best. In terms of the museum, the budget has gone down by 44% since then. That was an administration request at the time. Uh, I think Mr. Orty, who manages it on a day-to-day -day basis, and myself are both of the opinion that it's now at the minimum level it can be. You can't take any more out of it. And um, in terms of the schoolroom going, Yes, it is, initially, but there are currently plans and there's a task group which Mr. Orty and I sit on uh, looking at possible museum extension in 2018, which will provide uh, a more usable schoolroom equivalent uh, attached to the current museum. So there are plans to try and address it, but it is at the minimum level it can be now. Thank you. Thanks. Somewhere in these papers, I thought it was in the, um, the, the general fund somewhere, um, there's, there's reference to, the, to NHS trusts trying to exempt themselves from um, business rate. And when I read that, I must admit it, it, it alarmed. Page 144. Page 144. I thought it was where I was, but I couldn't spot it. Um, it you know, that, that somewhat alarmed me that we've got public services trying to claim that they're under the charity banner, that they're exempt from, um, from business rates. Uh, and, you know, everybody starts doing that and transforming themselves into bodies such that they think that they can get away without paying business rates. Then where will, where will the rest of the small businesses in the district end up? So I, so I, I suppose there's nothing we can do about it other than watch the scene and see, see what happens. But... Um, it does, it does strike me that, um, that it's, we're going to end up, well, potentially end up with an inequitable situation. Anybody's got any, any views on that? I think if I can, Chairman, you're, you're right. This came out only in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so it's very, very new information that they are attempting this mandatory relief. And um, it will have a significant impact uh, we're part of the Essex pool and clearly sharing business rates income with other Essex authorities who may have major hospitals um, is going to have a really significant impact on income levels. So it is, a, it is a high risk area at the moment and as we get more information we will of course share it. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm looking, it's in these papers somewhere, but I'm looking at page four of the a uh, summary, nice summary document that we received yesterday, and that refers to um, green, green waste collection. It, just to ask the question whether the green waste curbside collection service is actually paying for itself. 
Councillor Susan Barker is nodding, and Mr. Webb is probably going to confirm that verbally. Yes, uh, the reason Councillor Susan Barker is nodding is because we had a conversation about this only the other day. It, it, is, it is running at a small surplus at the moment. Uh, clearly, as we take on more people, uh, because we've obviously invested in a second crew, that, that has impacted on the amount of income. But uh, hopefully, as new people come on board, we will just make a bit more profit out of the scheme. But it does make a profit at the moment, yes. So, so you mean it might initially dip until more customers come on stream and then it ought to come back into surplus? It will be in surplus, whatever, but it's, it's a right. small surplus at the moment that will grow as more people come on, hopefully, this year. Yeah. And I, I noticed that um, somewhere there's always reference on, again, one of the bullets at the bottom of that page, which I think goes back to page 143 of the, um, the documents about investing in a 12-month post to improve the way that enforcement works. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't be jumping the gun in terms of the outcome of the uh, enforcement review, which might come up with a different answer, but as it's a 12-month uh, operation, it's, it's filling the gap until other ideas might come forward. This if, this, if I can, Chairman, isn't an enforcement officer as such. It's someone to work in the enforcement team to get the computer systems where we need it, to get the way in which the teams use the computer system and therefore the outcomes uh, better to enable the enforcement officers to be more productive, efficient and effective. Thank you. Can we... Um, I'm, I'm moving to page 152 unless anybody else has got anything before then. This is down to the detailed lines which aren't numbered for Council Barker's benefit. But, um, or yours, Chair, or yours. Nor mine. <laughs> nor mine. Um, on, um, on, on page 152, the second line down under efficiency services. It talks about, under leisure and performance, uh, funding of the access to services budget removed. Uh, when I saw that, I thought, you know, maybe the um, council is starting to downplay the importance of public access to services. Um, I, I'm sure that's not the case, but perhaps you could, perhaps that could be explained, please, to con convince us that we're not um, reducing our welcoming of uh, or improvements to the way that the public can access services. Is Mr. Webb going to answer this? Yes, Chairman, I will. Um, this, because the communities and partnership section no longer exists as part of the review that went on, that, that budget has actually transferred to the health and wellbeing area, which sits um, under Mrs. Millership. Right. So, so it's not eliminated, it's just shifted. I'm sure we could find it somewhere else, but I'm not going to bother looking for it. Thank you. Um, has anybody else got any questions on that page? If not, what about page um, 153? Or one, 154? I did notice there on page 154, there seemed to be... Um, um, it's page 154. There's a load of 
initialed down the left-hand side, and one-fourth from the bottom says GDC. I don't know what that means, but it says planning fees. Um, is there any feeling for whether... We were talking about recession earlier and whether that might take a dip if, in fact, um, there is a, a fall-off in planning applications. I think, just to explain the code, that's our... Uh, system code, so that's General Fund Development Control. That's what oh. that stands for. But um, I, th I think when we had the general downturn um, over the last few years, planning applications didn't drop off. So I don't think that's likely. We seem to buck the trend in this area, so we're not expecting that to be an issue. It isn't. Good. Um, I'm going to move on to page 155. I think there's a question here that there's obviously a, perceived to be a risk that the high, highway ranger funding might be plucked away by Essex County Council. Do we know any more about that? And if that were to happen, is the council committed to continuing that service by one means or another? Because I'm sure that, um, well, I, I, think, I think members of this council want to, would like to see it improved or enhanced and, and not disappear. So I guess the first question is any risk of it Real, real risk at the present time? It, it hasn't been specifically identified, but given the financial position of Essex County Council, uh, we've mentioned Lifeline and the likes, we highlight all things that um, the funding comes from Essex. It's, it is a risk at the moment, but um, nothing's, nothing's been mentioned, and it is a probability down there as low at the moment, but it is highlighted because of that reason. Councillor Susan Barker, who is both a member of this council and a member of Essex County Council is going to provide us with the answer, I think. Uh, Chairman, at full council to Essex County Council today, the funding for highways panels overall was reduced to 50% of this year's funding. So for the case of Uttlesford, 440,000 down to 220,000. It's going to be very much a question for the highways panel of this council to decide whether out of that we wish to continue to fund the highway ranger service. Oh, I hadn't realised that it was funded via the, the local panel. I thought it was a separate exercise. Oh, right. Okay. So, therefore, there is a concern. Uh, I, think we all, I think we must ask everybody to keep a close eye on this one because um, uh, it uh, would disappoint, certainly would disappoint me and I'm sure some other members of this committee if that, um, if that service were downgraded or lost. Right, watch this space, folks. Uh, and my, my final question is, relates to page 156, PFI unitary charge. Uh, could, could, could I please understand better what, what that is? Uh, that's presumably something to do with leisure centres, is it? Uh, and, and what, this, what this risk is all about and what might happen or might not happen to, to that financial aspect, please. Um, it's the private finance initiative that um, obviously we have with the Leisure Centre. It's over 25 years and there is a specific um, income profit share um, model that's set up related to that and obviously you know depending on the profit share it can move and if you if you look at period nine we have an increase in the income profit share this year of 97,000 that we weren't expecting so um, but in other years it, it could drop off depending on on rates of interest and, and different um, 
formulas applied to it over the years. So it's something that we've been living with for some time rather than something that's going to suddenly catch us out. Is that right? Yeah, well, yeah we've certainly been living with it for a while. Um, again, this was part of the community and partnerships team and that work has now moved to sit the PFI part of the leisure provision has moved to sit under Mr Orty and I know he and his colleague are busy looking at the PFI at the moment getting ahead round it. It's an incredibly complex area um, but we're getting ahead round it and um, we'll be reviewing everything to, again to try and ensure we know why things are happening. Okay, thanks very much for that. Has anybody else got any other why do I turn my microphone off when I'm just about to use it? Councillor Asker. Thank you, Chair. Actually, it's, it's just a question um, from the uninitiated um, to the point above that, point GLC. Um, can I ask what um, EIR is? Through the Chair, please which it states the European Court of Justice has just agreed that local authorities can charge for staff time for dealing with EIR requests which may be, uh, enable the council to recover additional fees. Can you? Uh, I can answer that one. It's thank the you. environmental, I forget what the I stands for. Information. information, thank you. Environmental in information regulations. It's in very layman's terms kind of like a freedom of information request except dealing with specific things around environmental issues. The, the, the terms of it are very similar to the way you deal with freedom of information requests. Anything else? Um, Councillor Howell, would you like to respond, please, not to everything that's been said, otherwise we'll run past our target time. You better tell me what your target time is. Well, right? I haven't revealed it yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it's normally 9.30. We're not going to make it quite, but we've not got, not got a lot to do after this. Uh, well, Mr Chairman, thank you for inviting me. I very much appreciate the opportunity to attend your meetings. Uh, it's important for me as part of this process to listen to your views, and so I'm grateful for the time you've taken to prepare for this meeting. I understand how difficult it's been. Um, papers have, it's, it's, it's frankly been an unprecedented um, challenge, both in setting the budget and also identifying what that budget tells us. We face some fairly significant challenges over the next, or over the next three or four years. Um, I've done my best as finance member to try and keep all councillors informed of that process, speaking at full council regularly, as the budget has emerged. Um, this is part of a continuing process, and I very much welcome feedback and comment from councillors, not just from this scrutiny committee, but I am grateful for the work that you've done scrutinising the budget papers that go to Cabinet uh, next week. Um, I've said in the past that predicting the weather is not the clever bit. The clever bit is about building the ark. And this budget is all about part of that process, putting in place the building blocks that we require to do now so we don't request the challenge to whoever takes over from us in three years' time. I'm very conscious that the UK has beggared, we've beggared our children and I don't believe we should do the same th things here at Uttlesford. So this budget is part of a general process, a long-term plan over the lifetime of this council to prepare the ground and it does involve some really quite challenging decisions 
because there are some very challenging issues that we face. I wanted to thank uh, Mr. Webb and, and Angela Knight for coming today and, and for their preparation. I ought to say that, that Mrs. Mrs. Knight's actually come from her sick bed. So, so thank you very much for, for coming this evening. Their teams have been tremendous uh, in preparing the budget. It really has been a real challenge for us as an organisation, you'll be aware of a high degree of uncertainty that remains at this stage. So the consultation on the new homes bonus won't be completed until the summer. There's a new medium-term financial strategy which will be brought back to the Council and to this committee in some months' time. So, so the challenge that we have is that this is in some respects an, an interim budget and it comes with it, brings with it a certain number of, of unknowns and uncertainties. Um, and I'm very sympathetic to members. I, I won't pretend that it's easy for those who are reading these things on, on the screen. Um, the only way to do this, frankly, is through a paper version, and, and, and I recognise the difficulties that, that it brings. Um, my view is that the, the budget requires us to do three things. We need to look at how we deliver our services and deliver them more efficiently. We need to improve the income generation that we derive from our own assets and we need to look to local residents to share some of the burden. In the last council we were in the position that we were able to cut or hold council tax. I think the environment is very, very different now. The scale of the challenge is quite clearly set out on pages 64 to 65 when you can see the scale of the surplus which we face in 2016-17 and 17-18 and thereafter a very significant deficit, a deficit that is growing and by the end of this council is going to be close to a million pounds. We have got to do things differently if we are to solve our problems and be able to continue to serve our residents effectively. And as I say, I do not believe that we conduct this challenge. We have a responsibility, all councillors, to, to address the, these issues. I very much hear the comments and echo the concerns that Councillor Sell has raised about the special purpose vehicle. I, I recognise it's early days. I can't actually give you many of the answers that you want on what the special purpose vehicle will look like. But what I can tell you is that you will be told and you will get the necessary papers as part of the process when it's set up. There is a paper coming to Cabinet that sets out the governance structure, how it will be structured, who it will report to, who will sit on its governing body, what things it will do. At this stage, I'm not in a position to tell you those things, so I don't know the answers. But what I do know is that we have to do something to generate income from the assets that we, um, that we own. And I think it also represents quite a significant change in the way we treat reserves. From in the past, we have always had reserves and used them and felt pleased to have them. If we use a special purpose vehicle to generate income, it will change the way we treat reserves. Our reserves will be used, they will be utilised, they will be generating an income we will not have the reserves that we've had the benefit of. But I think that's the right thing to do, despite the conversations that I've had with Councillor Dean over many years about reserves. Given what we face, I believe personally, and I hope that other councillors will agree with me, 
that it is wrong to sit on substantial reserves and we should be using those to the best effect and in particular to use to generate income from the assets that, that we own. But I recognise that it's an area that all councillors will have to get comfortable with. It's not why I was elected to be a councillor. It is a change from what we have always done in the past. But it is something that many other councils do and do effectively. So we can learn from others. We have a great deal of commercial experience in this room uh, and, and amongst other councillors. So I believe it's not something we should be frightened of or, or view as an unnecessary challenge. Um, I would like to make the point that we talk about uh, budgeting and there's, I think Mr Webb has made the point quite clearly, we can always improve on how we forecast and how we budget. Um, but I do recommend, I, I, I believe that it's important to acknowledge that we have a very good culture in this council. We do not approach our budgets with the attitude, spend it or lose it. And as a consequence of that, at the end of the year, we sometimes do find that we have surpluses. I would much rather be the finance member who reported surpluses as part of a budget process than the finance member who reported substantial overspends as part of the budget process. The budgets and the variances are reported quarterly. It's something that I take great interest in, as you do as a committee, I know. But I promise you, on the scale of risks, it's much better to be on the side that we are than the alternative. I just put that for what it's worth. Um, I've taken away your comments on the costs of defending appeals and car park income and, and perhaps officers can come back to you separately. The transformation reserve has been something we've had within our reserves for a number of years. It was set up by my predecessor. I believe it's been there for four or five years. I recognise the word transformation reserve. It's slightly subjective. It means something slightly different probably to everyone who hears it. I don't believe that we as an organisation are going to be transformed over the next four years. Um, but I do look back to what it was like nine years ago when I first became a councillor, and we do look different. Um, and there are always changes taking place within organisations. They flex, they evolve, they change as circumstances change. And the Transformation Reserve is an important tool in our toolkit that allows us to, to manage that process. I don't like the use of the word redundancy because I recognise that that involves individuals. But this organisation has always changed. It has involved people taking on new roles. Um, personally, I would always prefer to redeploy if I possibly could. So the point is well made and it, it, it's noted. Um, moving on, I'm not going to, to deal with, with the numbering of, of, of papers. I think Mr. Bar uh, Councillor Barker, Mr. Webb can take that away. Uh, on Treasury management, it's a really important point that you make. Um, Landsbanky and having money in Landsbanky when it went bust was for me a very traumatic experience. I'm sure it was for all councillors. It was deeply distressing to go to parish councils and explain what had happened. Um, one of the concerns I have, however, is that Councillor Barker will know this phrase, generals always plan for the last war. And I think that one of the things we did after Landsbanky was that we adopted a treasury management approach which was very, very cautious. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I have sat here for two and a half hours listening to your two hours listening to you talk about this. It is important that I have the opportunity to address as many of the points as I can. Uh, so thank you. I note your, your, your concern to get the meeting over as quickly as possible, but I will address all the points that have been raised. Um, 
I, I recognise that this in, it re represents a change from the Treasury management approach that we've had for the last four years, but it does not represent a fundamental change. Um, when the analysis was done um, by Arlington, Arlington Close, it was quite clear that we sat at the most cautious end of the scale compared to our peer group, and our return from the cash that we sit on was also at the lower end of the scale. And there was scope for an increase in the income that we received from Treasury management without an increase in risk. If we can achieve that, we can be pleased with ourselves. And you have my assurance that I do not believe there will be a material increase in risk as a consequence of the change in, in Treasury management strategy. But we do sit on very substantial amounts of cash on any one day because we gather council tax on behalf of the county council and the, the other authorities. Whether we like it or not, we have a responsibility to local residents to maximise the income we can have from that. And my belief is that we can improve that without increasing the material risks that we take as a consequence. But I am very, very aware that we... We sail in very choppy waters, and we do need to take the advice of, 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 of Arling Close and make sure that we do not increase our risk as a consequence. Um, it's important for me to flag that our capital programme is something that we can take great pride in, I think, and I, Councillor Sellers made the comment about the investment in Stansford. You were kind enough, Mr Chairman, to make a similar reference. We continue as an organisation, despite the challenges that we face, to make significant investments, not only in our council houses, but also in the assets that our communities need and want. Uh, and I'm pleased and I want us to continue to do that going forward. Um, and now we come to the question you were so keen for me to answer, um, which is why at an officer's presentation in January there was an indication of possibly a 0% increase in council tax and now in these papers, a suggestion of a 1% council tax uh, increase. And thereafter, the papers are suggesting that the budget is prepared or the medium term financial strategy is prepared on the assumption of a 2% council tax increase. I, I generally try to play a very straight bat. Um, there is no mystery. There's no conspiracy here. Um, it was a paper prepared by uh, Mr. Webb, uh, he asked me what was the view of the administration. I said the administration at this stage doesn't have a view because we haven't had a conversation. Um, but why don't you put in zero? Because it seems, because I'll be absolutely honest with you, my instinct is always to keep council tax as low as possible. If it was left to me, I would like to be able to always give everyone a council tax cut. I recognise that that in the current world is not possible. So there's no great mystery. It was simply guidance to officers put in zero until we've had a conversation. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into it if I was you. But there is one important factor, because you asked the question, what happened between one day and the next day? Um, not a great deal, but I, would, I, I have a copy of the officer's presentation, and it made reference to the fact that at that stage we were expecting a surplus in 2016-17 of 4.7 million. And I'll refer only once to the contents of this document, but if you turn to page 6465, um, it indicates that this year the surplus is going to be 
2.5 million, 2.436 million. Um, the difference of 2.3 million pounds is to do with the release of business uh, rates um, reserves uh, over two years rather than in, in a single year. Um, that is the only thing that came to light overnight. Um, it made it a much easier decision for me as the finance member to acknowledge that it's important for local residents to understand in the context of the challenge we face that some of the share needs to be borne by local residents. That, that there, there is regrettably a need for council tax increases this year and I'm putting forward a proposal for a 1% increase. I will not bind future councils or the council to future increases but the indications for the purposes of preparing a budget are a 2% increase going forward. Um, and I think that I've probably addressed each of the points that have been made uh, elsewhere. I take on board the comments about the Museum Society and the Lifeline Service. Lifeline Service is something we've discussed at Cabinet. Um, and I'm pleased to say that I believe the, enforce the additional enforcement officer will allow us, I hope, to be able to report regularly to all councillors on, on, on specific uh, planning uh, enforcement matters in a way that we have not had visibility for the last four years. Previously, there was a regular report that went to councillors. My hope is that that, initial officer, uh, that additional officer will allow us to do that going forward. Now, you, you gave me 10 help. minutes. I'm very grateful. No, no, you had 15 minutes. But, um, and, um, uh, it, it, it is our role to, to ask questions and not necessarily to hear speeches, but it's very helpful to have that uh, feedback with perhaps a little embellishment. But fine, thank you very much, Simon. And I'm sure we'll hear it all again at the Cabinet meeting next week. <laughs> so, good rehearsal. Uh, right, that deals with uh, all the finance stuff on item 15. Okay. No, we're not going to. No, we're not having questions. Uh, you, you, you can you can give me a question to ask at cabinet next week. I think I'm not going. Or, 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 I think that's that's the end of the item, Councillor Sell, because I think we've we've dealt with the budget. Well, I'd rather you left it until afterwards, if you don't mind, uh, or put it in a press release or something like that. <laughs> I, Sorry, yeah, I don't want to keep this one going. Sorry. No, we're, go, we're moving on because it, the time time's getting late, and we've had a long, we've had a long, an hour and three quarters nearly on the budget. We've dealt with item uh, 16, which was the enforcement review. We've, we've dealt mostly with item 17, which was a planning appeals review. What I would, what I will say, in addition to what was said before, I think it was very regrettable that the scrutiny committee divided on party political lines on this item. One of the, one of the uh, roles of, of, of scrutiny is not to play party politics and to, uh, for some members, for instance, to feel that they've got to defend the administration. We're, we're all here to improve the council and, and, and I will say it was a great disappointment that it divided on party political lines and no, Councillor Barker, you're not going to come back in on that one. Uh, let's go on to I'm sorry, item. Sorry, are you Councillor Barker, right. you're, I've made my point. Let's go on to the car park review, which uh, where we have an item. <laughs> car park review. Uh, Mr. Orty has a, a brief report on the outcome of the uh, of the car park review, which went to cabinet 
on in December. Do you wish to say any words to this? Richard? Very brief indeed. Um, yeah, just to say we were asked to bring back a report now, the, um, just to put new members of the committee in the picture, um, although it is explained in the report. Uh, there was a task and finish group uh, under the old scrutiny committee which looked at car parking, made a series of recommendations to Cabinet, um, a, a wider review of car parking was then commissioned and the uh, comments from the scrutiny committee were put forward into that. So what this really does is to use a nonsensical term, square the circle, um, it just, and the table at the back shows how the original recommendations from scrutiny uh, were taken forward and, and, and whether they have or have not been incorporated into the final recommendations in the uh, car parking review which went to Cabinet in December, I think it was. Um, you'll, see, you'll see from page 181 or uh, page 5 of the uh, report uh, that the, the, the majority of the recommendations have been adopted um, and those that haven't been fully adopted at least have been partially. If, you, if members have any follow-up questions, do ask uh, Councillor Barker out, outside the meeting. But I think it's been, uh, so far, a very satisfactory uh, outcome with, no doubt, more work to do. Right, I have one... Chair. Councillor Barker. Um, surely that if a member of the committee has a question pertaining to an item, it might be addressed to Councillor Mrs Barker within the meeting rather than outside the meeting. Well, indeed, but... Um, does anybody, I, I looked around and I couldn't see anybody who seemed to be wishing to speak. So, and there isn't, so we'll move on. Thank you, Councillor Graham Barker. Um, any other items the Chairman considers urgent? Now, at the beginning of the meeting, I did say that in the work programme that we had at our last meeting, we were going to have a report um, about the building control function and then the second one in March. Now I learned at uh, the joint, uh, what does it call itself, joint staff committee or what, anyway, the, the meeting that takes place from time to time with the staff representatives which was held fr last Friday I think. Um, Councillor Rolfe was there and, and, and various other members and, and representatives from the staff that this is something that for one, the Cabinet's going to be asked to make a decision in March. I understand that a, a meeting that's not yet been convened, or that's, that was the suggestion anyway, that it was, there was going to be an extra meeting, but whenever. Um, and, and it seemed to me that if this were going to come to a meeting in March and then there was going to be a Cabinet meeting immediately afterwards, we probably weren't going to have much chance to influence it or, or even understand what the concerns were. And certainly there are some staff concerns in terms of the impact on individuals and I don't want to go, in, <clears throat> go into them now. I understand that we've got a, a sort of outline report which, t which tells members broadly what it's about. Um, but if we're going to understand this by the time we get to the next meeting, it seems to me that it would be a good idea for us to have a very short term one cycle task group to look into it so that we, we as members understand what the issues are before it comes to, to the, our March meeting. Um, in broad terms, what, what I understand is, is proposed is that the people who work for quite a number of councils in Essex, but not all of them, in, in building control could 
move into a new, a new organization, a bit like the North Essex Parking Partnership. Um, and I understand it will be, or the discussions that are taking place at the moment would mean that they would work for an organization based in Colchester, a bit like the Parking Partnership is. Um, and beyond that, I, I don't have a, a great deal of difficulty, but it would mean changes for some staff, and it's not to say that those changes aren't the right thing to happen. But we need to, if we're going to, I think if we're going to consider this properly next month, we need to give a bit of thought to it before we get there. Um, so now is not the time to discuss this. I think this gives us some of the background, and I'm just wondering whether a couple of members will be willing to take this on to, to find out more about it such that when we get to the next meeting when we will have a, a formal report we can discuss it with um, some understanding what, what does anybody else think Mr Webb would like to say something Yeah, just to clarify and, and you were right about uh, a date in March for cabinet to that has moved on um, one of the other authorities cannot get to cabinet until their meeting on April the 7th, which happens to be the same day as we have a cabinet. So the item will come to cabinet on April the 7th. Right. That still means that this committee needs to look at it on, I think, March the 15th, which is the next meeting. But um, that was just for some clarification there. That okay. It's not going in March. It will go on April the 7th. Okay. Are there any members of the committee who have um, either an interest in this particular subject or, or in transformation or whatever you want to call it um, partnerships uh, I have a background actually in transformation and yeah. local government shared services so I'm happy to have a look well I mean as I'm a member I'm a member of the joint uh, committee with the staff I'd be willing to work with you on that just so that we can do a bit of research and find out about it um, Adrian I think, again, Chairman, just to um, give you some idea of the timescales, I believe we're, uh, we can have meetings, obviously, to discuss the principles of it. I think the actual financials will come out in early March. Right. So it will be probably quite a number of meetings or a couple of meetings around the beginning of March, the first couple of weeks of March before the meeting. Okay. But, yeah. uh, that's just to make sure that people are available at that time. Is the committee happy that Councillor Harris and I work on this and, and come back to your next meeting with what, what we've found out as well as what officers have got to tell us in a report, Mr Rorty? Uh, yeah, can I just be clear, are you setting up a formal task and finish group on this, in which case you need three members in terms of reference, um, or are you just going away as individual members to find out a little bit more to inform the committee at the next meeting? Is it, is it going to be a bit heavy-handed to call it a task and finish group? And, um, um, it's probably a bit, yeah, I think it's probably a bit heavy-handed. So I think just Councillor Harris and I will um, see what we can find out to, to supplement whatever formal report we get. So everybody agreed with that? That seems to be agreed. Thanks very much. Uh, I have no other urgent business, so I declare the meeting closed.